Hello everyone, I'm Mark, the chief writer here at Maltopia, and I just wanted to remind you the sleep-wake cycle is but one of a series of interconnected horror podcasts within the wide and weird world of Maltopia. For Easter eggs, crossover events, and additional lore, please check out our other series, The Shepherd of Wolves, Red Mother, Grimland, and The Damnation Machine. And be sure to check out our free content on our Patreon page for additional lore and stories. For even more Maltopia content, consider becoming a patron. Starting for as little as $2 a month, benefits range from additional art, update videos, early episode access, our mini-podcast series, October's Children, both written and full audio pieces, such as The Lost Library, Tales of Maltopia, and The Weird Book. You can also gain access to our found footage show, The Weird Tape Series, and even our Patreon-exclusive, fully-produced audio series, Devil's Clay. So, with all that said, I will leave you to the darkness. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Rusty Quill presents Listen, everyone, make for the rear exits. We'll hold them off. 
was a twinge of sincerity to my brother's words, as if he really wanted to help the fleeing crowds, or at least spare them a horrible death. More to the point, he wasn't clipping his shots to prolong our fight with whatever species of Umbrian these things were. Although I guessed they were less of a species and more of a creation. A hodgepodge of various sins made flesh. How the Umbrians sculpted life in the image of impropriety. They varied wildly in look, ranging from the demonically humanoid to the utterly extragalactic. Whatever it was going to take to finally put the Stroud twins out of commission. To get even with us for spoiling plans hatched over the better part of a century, if not longer. You dark forms are real sore losers, ain't ya? <laughs> and you squeal just like your buddy Nigris. You should have heard him blubber once we slammed that gold crown down on his head. Watch out, Isaiah! The darkness, it's like a whirlpool! Oh, hold on! The blackness took on a sludge-like composition, pushing us into the ever-widening void at the center of the preternatural darkness, where something monstrous bellowed and swelled. Oh, no you don't. There'll be no spiriting us away into the darkness this time. Isaiah's power lashed out in cold, nullifying waves, splashing the scrabbling horrors and the darkness they thrilled within against the far wall. With the darkness pushed back, the center of the manifestation, the cause, became partially visible within the blue blaze of my questing eyes. Here was the actual Umbrian, the master of the monsters trying to wash over us. A jetty cluster of whipping tentacles held together in the crude shape of a humanoid. It wore a stylized black trench coat, cinched at the waist, coils of living darkness erupting from its open collar and sleeves and billowing pleats. There you are, you ugly son of a bitch. There are places so dark they blind the senses, blackening so completely the world, the soul. And there, there our masters splash in a timeless pitch, whispering secrets that can freeze suns, dim entire galaxies. You shall know them soon. Oh, really? Guess you should have uh, busted out those masters of yours back when we were handing Nykrist his ass. He could have used all the help he could get. Isaiah was hamming it up for sure at this point. But all the people had gotten out safely, and we seemed to have the situation under control. Honestly, I couldn't really blame him for wanting to stick it to the thing. After all the shit we'd been put through, all the death the Umbrians had caused. But as it turned out, the monster had bigger problems than us to deal with. How dare you come here? How brazen! How utterly foolish! You of the dark know better than to defile my city. I, who call the wind by its true name, 
I who give the moon to the beasts of the wood. I who sleep in a bed piled from the whited bones of my enemies. But today, today you shall know me as she who feeds fools to the storm. The voice had exploded into the room, shattering windows and shaking the earth beneath our feet, came from the tall statue haunting the far corner of the room, where it had been placed in reverence and for protection. I knew her by the mock piles of dog bones gathered at the sculpture's naked feet, the red paint representing the spilled blood of human hunters that ran down from her clawed hands, her fanged mouth, her coiling tongue. She was beloved by the Hecken, their avenger, Gliss, the thorned woman. She was the claws and the teeth of the woods when the woods needed to kill, to feast. And she was death to those who defiled what was hers. And apparently, Hallowick was hers. No! This is our vengeance to claim. You and yours love the dark no less than we. And they killed it. They killed... Yes! I know. They slew him. The eel son. His shadow rots at the bottom of the world now. Stained black with the soot of vilest deeds. Recombining with the dark broth of the deep earth. And I know this. If you dare to even let slip a whisper of kinship between your kind and ours, for love of darkness or anything else, we who honor her mysteries shall tear open your shadows and let spill your pitchy guts. Now be Gone. The world became lightning, thunder, and a scream stretched across two worlds, ours and the small fraction of its own that had slipped free of the serpent nexus. Just before the hateful conjunction had fallen dead beneath a dagger of gold and my brother's freezing banality, the horrors loosed from the rebel darkness were swallowed whole into an ocean of blazing light and I watched the remainder of the bright black retreat across the crooked belfries and jutting witch towers of Hallowick. The resulting quiet seized the ruins of the diner, and my brother and I returned our weapons to their resting places. Yeah, that, uh... <laughs> that was different. And thank you, whoever you are, for the, uh... Assist. My brother offered that last bit to the gray sky, which was now visible for the massive hole the bright black had torn open in the diner's roof. I gestured toward the statue where it rested beneath debris and shadow. Her name is Gliss, the thorned woman, and we both thank you, my lady. I gave a slight bow in the statue's direction, though the effigy made no sign of noticing, let alone caring. 
Let me guess. You learned about her from your uh, stint at Salem's University, right? I could hardly have attended a largely heckin' owned and operated school without picking up some of the finer details of their beliefs and deities. And she was one of my faves anyway. Gliss, the Teeth of the Wood. That was probably the coolest title I'd heard for her. While we made our way out of the diner, what was left of it, the constabulary was quick to stop us, pulling up in three long, dark green sedans. Narrow, almost squinting windows tinted black were highlighted by generous chrome accents that glistened from the rain. The cops pulled their guns and immediately trained them on us. I could almost feel my brother's glee as he addressed the lawman. Okay, okay. Take it easy, fellas. We're reclamation agents, and the situation's been officially handled. And please point those guns somewhere else while we take out our credentials. He smirked at me as we both reached for our shiny new badges. He was having way too much fun for having just slugged it out with Umbrian assassins. See here? That's federal gold. We're legit. You're aiming guns at government agents. The men's eyes went wide at the sight of our shields. Was nice to be taken seriously. Uh, our apologies, sir. Is there anything we can do to assist? Isaiah smiled over at me again as the officers bowed to our authority, but I wanted to cut things short. We had more important things to be doing than flexing our newfound legal muscles. Check to see if everyone got out okay, and afterwards let your department heads know we'll be sending along our report. After it clears our office. I was just spitballing. I really had no idea what the procedure was with something like this. Uh, absolutely, Agent... Stroud. Agent Rosemary Stroud. After we checked out of the hotel and packed the car, we were all ready to hit the road again. I hated to leave the city, but there was no telling what our being there would draw down next, even if this Gliss character did have it out for the bright black. Although, to be honest, my biggest regret wasn't that I'd miss all that heckin' hospitality, or even those fine haunted sights, but that I wouldn't get a second shot at that fat pile of syrup-drenched French toast. I didn't get so much as a friggin' bite. So where are we headed, exactly? Somewhere random. If the bright black got deep into our head enough back in Marrows to figure out that we spent a weekend in Hollowick, there's no telling what it might be able to piece together about our next move. So, the way I figure it, if we have no clue where we're gonna go, then neither does the bright black. Okay, let's see. If this map's still accurate, there's a bunch of little towns coming up, and then about 30 miles past those, a stretch of marshland called Emmett's Threshold. It's a state property, I think. A preserve. Might be a little bed and breakfast, or maybe even a motel near that preserve. Could be a good spot to lay low till we hear back about our next gig. So after renting out space in our heads for practically the entire time we were in Marrows, 
The bright black won't find us. But you think the Esoterium will know where we are, huh? I didn't think I had to answer that question, so I just threw Romy a look. <laughs> yeah, dumb question. Hey, so given all the god forms we've been mixing with lately, how's your atheism holding up? Fear not. My faithlessness is holding up just fine. See, these, um, god forms of yours are all nuts and bolts. Just fancier nuts and bolts than the garden variety we're used to. Hell, if anything, Nychris made my case better than I ever could. He was as bound by necessity as any of us. All those mystical preconditions to manifesting and whatnot. There's a mensurate, quantifiable science of cause and effect underlying all that bullshit. <laughs> In fact, these, these god forms strike me more as aliens than demons or gods. Or maybe just, I don't know, extra-dimensionals. Creatures governed by an alternative, but equally restrictive, physics. I see. So you atheists have it all figured out, then? Not at all. You see, by our estimation, the universe is too vast, too complex to ever truly understand. Which is why we don't take a stand on anything. Who's to know what's right or wrong, ethical or despicable? Sure as hell not me, that's for sure. And sure as hell not these god forms. They're down here in the dirt with the rest of us, fighting for their piece of the mystical pie. Nope, if you ask me, they're just a little further along the road that leads to nowhere. They make it up as they go along, just like us. It was odd talking about my uh, philosophy, if that's what it was. Up till Romy walked back into my life, all my existential ruminations were tucked neatly between my ears and an ever-growing number of notebook covers. The only people I'd ever had occasion to talk to were chatty exopaths. And who the hell can talk to them, really? The rain clouds had just vanished into a nice, big stretch of bright blue sky, and Romy was still brewing up some counterpoints to my little diatribe. But then something showed up along the side of the road that neither of us expected. Romy looked at the red and white striped candy store and then back at me. She probably wasn't sure if it was the product of her disorder or not. It's okay, Romy. I, I see it too. Oh, whew. thank Christ. Thought I was having an episode. It's gotta be Mr. Sugar, right? Who the hell else would plop down a candy store in the middle of nowhere? That would be my guess. I suppose we ought to get this over with, then. Yep. The store was pristine. Bright red and white candy striping for a paint job. Little steepled roof. It might have been made yesterday, or even a few minutes ago. The windows faced the sun, so we couldn't make anything out about the inside. There was a thick peel of menace wafting off the place, and I wondered if our brother was still on our team. Well, last one in is a rotten Easter egg. The inside glowed colorful and immaculate. 
Glassed-in cabinets sat filled with shiny candy of all kinds. Chrome-covered ice cream and cotton candy machines glistened, and rainbow-colored balloons hung throughout the sweetened air. A kid's dream. But, more than likely, for us anyway, a nightmare. What the hell is this all about? Sugar, you in here? Look at this. Romy plucked something off one of the candy displays and held it up to me. <laughs> it's a little chocolate nightcrist. Even has an edible golden crown. See here on the box? <laughs> it says, It's hard enough to say no to the risen nightcrist, but who can resist him when he's made from rich, dark chocolate and filled with a delicious golden nougat? No one, that's who. So sink your teeth into the dark. Dark chocolate, that is. <laughs> Cute. So what's this all about, huh, sugar? Why are we here? What is that? Another uh, box of candy? Yeah. <laughs> it's a mithric mask. A chocolate version of the one I ran the dagger through to disrupt the serpent line. <laughs> here, take a look. The back of the box reads, Perhaps Gressel the Fallen wasn't the sweetest king ever to rule a kingdom, but now, made from chocolate-drenched toffee, there couldn't be a more delectable dictator. He's giving us the name of Mithra, whose corrupt antics created the serpent line in Marrows. But why? Something tells me we're going to find out soon enough. Wow, you feel that? It's getting really hot in here all of a sudden. Yeah, all the candy's melting into little colored pools. Let's get out of here while the getting's good. I guess we'll see you around, sugar. And thanks for the tip, for whatever it's good for. But uh, maybe next time you could just tell us without the sugary shit show. Okay, okay, we're going. At this rate, the place will be ashes before we hit the road. Yeah. Well, let's get at it then. We no more than got settled into the car when we realized the fire was out. Largely because the candy store had disappeared. Like it never been there in the first place. What the... The box with the toffee mask is gone from my pocket, too. How the hell is he pulling this shit off? I mean, my power was on the whole time. You know, just in case. Well, I mean, we're immune to each other's abilities. Only makes sense he'd be immune to ours, if he really is our brother. Best to talk about it once we're away from here. You ready? I was ready when we got here. I have to admit, <laughs> I do hate it when they leave me all alone, especially since we've been apart most of our lives. <laughs> but that's going to change real soon. 
Soon we'll be a family again. I just know it. And Isaiah, you silly little man, of course I can't just tell you the answers. What fun would that be? <laughs> and besides, I know you like games, especially the deadly ones. <laughs> we are brothers after all. And besides, Romy will figure it all out. She always does. Oh boy, we're gonna have so much fun together. So much fun. The Sleep-Wake Cycle is a Maltopia production. Today's episode was written by Mark Anzalone and performed by Kelly Bear and Mark Anzalone. The episode was edited by Walker Kornfeld. Sound production and editing was performed by Stephen Anzalone. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Maltopia. That's M-A-E-L-T-O-P-I-A. And if you'd like to know more about the world of the sleep-wake cycle and contribute to its nightmarish expansion, visit us at www.patreon.com forward slash Meltopia, where you can gain access to all sorts of art, mythology, stories, and more. For more information about the sleep-wake cycle and the larger world of Meltopia, head over to Meltopia.com. 